0: Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. I will build my life on your firm foundation. I don't know about you, but for me, I've tried and tried to to build it on other foundations, on things that I can actually do for myself and my abilities, and it's failed every single time. Even though it may seem like it stands firm, it only stands firm for as strong as I am or the situation that I'm in, whereas God's firm foundation stands firm in every situation. Doesn't matter the storm. Doesn't matter what life throws at you. Doesn't matter what's going on. So if anything from this morning we could take out is that wherever you are, whatever part of the journey that you're on, if you can, whether it be that you've started building your life on God's foundations or whether you, you need to start doing it now, can I encourage you to do that? Can I encourage us? as God's children, to, to sit there and go, what your will in my life, the person that has created me to be, knows me better than I actually know myself, knows what is before me, even before the formation of the world, you already knew what Adam Miller was going to do in 2020. So why wouldn't I trust him? Why wouldn't I trust his firm foundations? Why wouldn't I trust what he is implementing into my life, even though sometimes I don't understand it? Can I encourage you to do that this morning? Sweet. Let me pray and then I'm going to hopefully share you with you something that uh, can probably help us on our way uh, of discovering where God is going to be taking us because one of the things that I've learned is that yeah, we may know where we're placed in life, in work, where we're placed in life, in, in, in our friends and our families, but do we actually know the giftings that God has, has blessed us with? So I want to hopefully invite you on a journey for the rest of this month that we could sit there and go, yeah, this comes easy to me. I never saw it as a gift from God, but how can I actually leverage that into building up the kingdom not only around me, but for kingdom's sake. Not for my sake, not for my glory, but for kingdom's sake. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've already done in and through us as individuals, uh, that we are at this place where we we either have a real strong relationship with you, uh, that we're journeying this relationship with you, or we actually are a little bit confused that we go to church, but we don't understand what it is. Lord, I thank you for all these places that we're at. But I most of all thank you that you meet us where we're at. So, Lord, I pray for what you're about to uh, reveal. Uh, I pray that the words that I speak are not of me. The manifestation of my heart is completely for kingdom's sake that I can step aside for your face, your works, to be revealed. But most of all, for the people that are listening, whether they are here in the church physically or whether they are online, that their hearts are open for what you want to speak to them intimately for, what you want to reveal in their hearts and their actions, and the face that you want to show to them is the loving adoration as they are your children, as we are your children. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but for the last couple of weeks, nine weeks actually, with everything going on, it has been, what has God been up to? What has God been wanting to say to me intimately? With all the people that have actually shared into the space, um, we has been absolutely phenomenal. We've had people from our family uh, here in Penrith speak into the Monday nights, and that... Um, I'm hoping I'm just not alone here, but that has been absolutely phenomenal actually, opening up that space for people to be able to share into um, their experiences, but not only just their experiences, but their perception of that topic that we've been speaking about. It's good to get that reflective bouncing of, of like-minded people because sometimes that takes us out of our own thought processes and go, oh, I've never thought of it that way, but maybe I can start thinking of it that way doesn't mean that you have to implement it. And then on the the Wednesdays, but uh, there was two Thursday nights thrown in there, but that design to worship space where we had people uh, outside of our church family, uh, most of them were still in the, the movement of Churches of Christ, speaking into that that more biblical referenced implementation of things in our lives that I believe was a really, really, really fruitful space. And I'm hoping that, that people were able to, to sit and, and get even just a little pot of gold out of those spaces, uh, that, that can maybe help us on our journey in one way, shape or form. So, look, everyone that's fed into both of those, uh, both of those areas, look, I thank you, um, whether it be, uh, for stepping out of the boat or whether it be just the passion of you wanting to, to, to feed into that space. Thank you for, from Penrith, from the leadership, from, from the people that were involved. Thank you so much for everything, uh, that you, that you let God do through you in that. So, introduction into this coming couple of weeks, three weeks uh, after after today, is exploring the kingdom giftings. Now, I find it ironic, and I want to take you on just a little bit, a little bit of a journey. Is that at the beginning of the year, I was asking God. What do you want to do? How do you want to do? And and just to give you a little bit of backstory, um, me in this, in the position that I'm in at the moment, um, I'm having to rely on God a lot. Uh, and uh, sometimes I don't listen or hear Him, hear Him correctly. But, um, when it comes to things that are, are popping up, like the spiritual disciplines last, um, the last series that we did and this, this, um, this kingdom giftings, um it's just, it just seems like it's ironic. I, I don't know about you, and it's, it's not just like when I sit there and go, is it a coincidence? Uh, my wife, Holly, uh, she, she turns around and goes, well, when it comes to God, it's not not necessarily a coincidence, it's a God incidence. Uh, it, it's, God doesn't make any mistakes when it comes to this. So I find it ironic, it's a God incidence, that you sit there and go, how is this building up spiritual disciplines, the launch of our vision and mission plan, then the revelation of our kingdom giftings, what's God got in store next? Let, let's see what, what what he's building up to here. So this is this is an opportunity for us to be able to not only explore the kingdom giftings, because we can read about it in the Bible. We can sit down and read about it. But do you actually, have you identified your kingdom giftings, the giftings that God has actually bestowed upon you in your family, in your friend base, in your work life, in your retirement? What has been adapting? What has been moulding? What has God been doing in your life? Or have you just been working out what you think is your own strength, but yet God has been doing wonders in and through you without you even knowing? My question to you before we even kick off this morning is that if God has been working through you without you even knowing... How much more effective can it be when you actually know your giftings and you actually get on board what God is doing in the, through your life? How much more effective is that going to be in your family? How much more is that going to be effective in your, your friends for kingdom's sake, not for your sake? And my catchphrase at the moment is get out the way and let God move. Get out the way of your own ambitions, your own desires, and allow God to actually move and see what happens. So, last week, as, as I've already alluded to, we—be good if this was turned on—we launched our mission and vision plan. And on this slide that you guys see up behind me, or, or on your television screen, or whatever screen that you're looking at this morning, uh, up in the top. I'm just trying to orientate myself just above mission. It actually has our biblical purpose and it hasn't changed from what it was is is love God and love people. But the one thing that I want to sit there and highlight to you is that in the Bible it's actually highlighted in um, in two of the Gospels, both in Matthew and Luke, but it's from two different perspectives and I want to highlight that this morning. I want to highlight that. Main reason why is because the Gospels may be the account of Jesus and Jesus' life, but they are written so authentically individual without us even knowing. And I don't want to get into too much of the theological background, but there's the synoptic Gospels and then you've got Mark all the way on his own. Sorry, I got that wrong. It's not Mark out on his own. It's, it's, it's John all out on his own. There we go. You've got the synoptic gospels and then you've got John all out on his own and a different uh, a different account altogether. So coming back into what I was sharing with you before, so Love God, Love People, it's been a part of our church for, for many years now. It's a simple way and it's what we are commanded to do. It's the two major command that jesus actually says but the two things that i want to highlight here is the first one is in matthew and we find this account in 22 it says there's love God, love people but it says here the first two words is jesus replied jesus replied and then he goes on and he says this you must love the lord your god with all your heart all your soul and all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment the second is equally important Love your neighbor as yourself. The next thing I want to highlight is from Luke. And this, remember, this is the same account, but from a different perspective. This is interesting. It says this. The man answered, answered Jesus. So this is the same account. And this is Jesus in, in Matthew was actually replying to a question. And then Jesus was asking the question in Luke. The man answered, and he answered this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. Even though we sit there and we read the Gospels, we're very much in the case of yes, this is about Jesus' account and it's just different versions of it. Well, it's actually a different perspective of several accounts that could possibly be. And if this is our biblical purpose, not only is Jesus replying to what should we do, he is actually inviting us to be this person that Jesus says and goes, the man answered Adam answered, Pat answered, Steve answered. This is my biblical purpose. This is the reason why Jesus has placed us here, has saved us, has has purposed us here in Penrith. What is that? What is that answer? I must love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength and all my mind. And I must love my neighbour as myself. I'm making it just a little bit more personal, just changing a few words in that because if God has created us and purposed us for a reason, not only to be here on Sundays to be able to share the good news, but to be able to share the good news through our actions in our everyday We need to own this. Doesn't matter whether we've grown up in a Christian family or we've been Christian for two minutes. If God has created us and we own that and we've actually dedicated our life to, let's actually understand what we're dedicating our life to. It's not a a life of slavery or you have to do this. It's a life of God wants to invite you. Let's, you don't have to do this on your own. These are the two things and if you do these two things, I will work through you, is the invitation that he's saying to you. So our vision, and as I said to you guys before, our vision, I'm really, really excited and I'm hoping that everyone is exactly the same. I'm hoping that we don't just, as I said, and I'll continually keep on saying whenever I bring this up, is, is that I don't want, and the leadership is exactly the same as well, we don't want you just to get on board this bus or get on board this vision, or get on board this way of thinking. We need this to be something that is the life and breath of our church. And how much better is it in sitting there saying, building creative environments to bring the hope of Jesus? You can add on to that in our everything, in our every day, in our every action. Everything that we do can be building a creative environment to show Jesus' love in a simple conversation, in a simple show of uh, 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 of faith, in a simple um, show of love. Building those creative environments and allowing God, instead of sitting there going, I'm only going to pull you off the shelf on a Sunday morning or in a ministry or when I want to, when it's convenient for me. God's actually saying, and I'm hoping that you, you, you capture this, is that if we build creative environments to bring the hope of Jesus, here we don't have to do the work. That God is going to actually move and witness through us. All we just need to do is be available in those spaces for God to move. And how ironic we launch this just before we can actually start identifying our gifts. So how do we, how do we build creative environments to show the hope of Jesus in our lives is actually identifying the gifts that God has bestowed us so that we can actually show the love, the hope and the life that is promised through the death, the life, death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Our vision is backed up by three words. It doesn't just stop there. It's backed up by three words. If you've looked at the, um, the the mission statement, it's backed up by the first one is revealing. Revealing an abundant life in our community. John 10.10 says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill and destroy. A lot of people just stay in that. That's worldly being. That's our own selfish ambition. But the life and breath is the next part of that verse, is that but I have come to give life and life to abundance, life to overflowing, a fulfilled life. Will you allow Jesus in that? And will you allow him to show it to the communities that you are in contact with, your work, your colleagues, the people that you may teach if you're a teacher, uh, that you, you may have understudies or, or apprentices, the people that you may go in and, I don't know, whatever you do for work, it, it, are you able to show that abundant life that God is, is bestowing upon you that you've actually been revealed and it may have even gone just a little bit missing because we've kind of shattered that by worries and things that have happened in life. The next word is embracing. One of the things that continue kept on coming up for uh, us in the summits was um, this intergenerational, making sure that we're very intergenerational. And what we did today in that sense of this is the generation service is inviting two wonderful women of God into sharing their experiences of Working in their gifts in every part of their life. So that relationships between all generations, as I've shared so many times in first Peter, is that it's actually the invitation to, to seek wisdom from people that are older than you, but also wisdom that are people that are younger than you and seeing what God is doing in that space. And the last one is becoming. Becoming devoted followers of Jesus. So what we're put on here on earth to do is, is to multiply, is, is to make disciples and disciples that will last, that are kingdom focused, that are eternal life focused rather than focused on today or focused on tomorrow or focused on what we can build up the empire here on earth rather than focused on the heavenly realms. This is backed up, and this is just before I go into the message today, and this is the reason why I'm I'm, uh, I'm trying to set this up to sit there and go, all right, um, purse in the next two weeks, and then David are going to knock this home, uh, is that our behavioural values actually... Um, manifest better when we actually work within our giftings. And if we can sit there and work in our individual giftings, how good would it be is to have a whole heap of people, a whole heap of God people, God-focused, kingdom-focused people, aligned together, unified as one, working in their giftings as the body of Christ, championing each other, unified by God's grace, growing to reflect Jesus, being the image bearers, moving beyond ourselves for the kingdom's sake. The next two are expected and faithful prayers. We've said before, we are a church that believes in the power of prayer, that we need to put prayer above all else. main reason why is because we want to communicate with God. We don't want to just bring God along on a journey. This is not our church to build. This is not our kingdom to build. This is God's kingdom. So if we are going to do that, we need to get on board what God is doing, not bring God into what we are doing. So if that's going to happen, we need to pray first before we do anything else. And I'm going to make this a little bit more personal. We need to pray first before we make any decisions on our jobs. We need to pray first before we make any decisions about having kids. We need to pray first before we... Make any financial decisions. We need to pray first before we, we even step foot outside our house in the morning. Because the more we involve God, the person who's actually created what's, uh, what's, what's going to happen, and he already knows what's going to happen. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm probably a bit more in safer arms than, than my own arms or my own abilities or my own reactions because I get it wrong a lot I'm only human I have reactions that are human reactions I have approaches that are human approaches but God works outside that realm So the more I can be on his board the better and the last one is actively building relationships within our community that's not just the church-based, guys. I'm hoping that this this whole behavioral values vision can start being implemented into our lives individually so that it becomes easier as we move into where God has got us as a church. Fantastic. All right, going into today's little topic. That was just a little bit of a breather, so I'm hoping that the, that well, didn't take up too much time, but here we go. The church is composed of many types of people from a variety of different backgrounds with a multitude of gifts and abilities. It is easy for those these differences to divide people. Do you agree with that? This was exactly the same case in, in Corinth. That's why during the letter in First Corinthians, Paul addresses this. He turns around and he goes, But despite all of these differences, all believers have one thing in common. Through every all the letters that he put, he he identifies that they have one thing in common. Do you know what that thing is? Faith in Christ. Doesn't matter the giftings that they have. The unified front of that is that they have faith in Christ. On this essential truth, the church finds unity, and that's one of our behavioural values. A unified front. So in first Corinthians, Paul writes this. He goes, now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding the question about your special abilities, the spirit gives us. Now, I don't know about you, but I have questioned my giftings and abilities several times over. I'm sitting there going, I'm not a preacher. Why have you got me up here? I, I, I can't communicate a message when I, I hate public speaking. But what gifting is it out of this? I only just really identified my gift, my actual, what I feel like is my gifting, and has been confirmed over and over again about 12 months ago, and that was leadership. For the six years prior to the 12 months ago, I was denying, sitting there going, I'm not a leader, until I actually accepted that God has actually purposed me in a place for a reason. And as soon as I stopped fighting it, God has started moving in wonders in ways that I could never imagine in leadership. Funny that. Paul goes on and goes, and this is very, very pivotal to everything else that gets set up to this morning and for the rest of this week. He goes, he's practically saying, depending on the, the different versions or the translations or the, the manuscripts that you say, he goes, I don't want you to misunderstand this. I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to sit there and put your own little spin on it. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to tell you about what the spirit gives you. There is no other way to actually think and embrace this. So he even puts that in writing very, very high in this letter, is that I don't want you to misunderstand this. Then he goes on and says this. There is different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. Before you even start saying what the gifts are or identifying what the gifts are, he is setting up saying, You will misunderstand what the giftings are if you actually don't know the source of the giftings. and the reason why we have been given these giftings. And then he highlights this. And I, I, I looked at several different translations when it comes to this. And it practically says exactly the same thing. In 7 it says this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. It doesn't say a select few of us. It says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other out. It doesn't say it's given to a select few of us so that we can hold on to it and only help our own dwellings, only help where we're going, only help our career. It says it is given to us, each of us, so that we can help each other out. Then he goes on and reconfirms this. He goes in and he goes, it is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Depending on the circumstance, the workplace, the the family, the people that he gives you the privilege of being a part of, he will give you the giftings that follow that. So he places you in a scenario and he's already bestowed you the gifts so that you can raise the kingdom up and do kingdom works, even though you may not even realise that. That's amazing, isn't it? That's fascinating that that he's already planned and purposed everything. All we've got to do is actually sit there and go, hang on. God's doing far greater things in me than I can imagine. God is completely involved in the giving, the using, the empowering of all the gifts. There's specific gifts, the places of service, so the areas that you get put in the circumstances. The activities may vary, but they all have their best effects when they are involved in building up the body of Christ, which is the church. God creates a unique place in the body for every believer. You've been created uniquely and individually for a reason. Embrace that because God has embraced that already. He bestows you the gifts and the ministries may overlap. Like the life of the church, like what we're trying to do here in Penrith is that our ministries will overlap. Our giftings will overlap, and there's a reason for that. But each believer has a specialised God-designed role in all of that, whether it be within the life of the church, in the, the, the church ministries, whether that be in your workplace, whether that be in your family, for kingdom's sake. Part of the exciting adventure of following Christ involves discovering one's service contribution And then here's the kicker, and then making it available to God. This is the excitement of being a Christian, of being a Christ follower. It's not about being obligated to serve the church, being obligated to do something that seems like a chore, whereas it actually says here that it's an excitement. Be excited about it. Yeah? In this letter to the church of Corinth, Paul goes on to compare the body of Christ to a human body. Each part has a specific function that is necessary for the body as a whole. The parts are different for a purpose. Starting to sound familiar with what I've already said, the parts are different for a purpose. And they, their differences make the whole body work together fantastically. We as Christian must Christians must avoid two common thought processes that can hinder God's work in and through churches worldwide. Now, I will confess right now is that I have been part of these both of these two hindrances of actually allowing God moving in in and through my life. And that is first one is being proud in any way of my abilities or your abilities and god them gifts and the second one is and this is one of the biggest ones within churches is that thinking or believing that you don't have any gifts or that you don't have anything that you can contribute or give to the body of believers thinking that you don't have any gifts is a misconception In 1 Corinthians 12, which is the verse straight, uh, which is, this is 12 to 31, which is straight after what I've just shared with you guys, Paul goes on and says this The human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Christ is now a body with many parts. The human body of Jesus is glorified and enthroned in heaven. So also the body of, so is also the body of Christ. We are co-enthroned through Him, but we continue to exist on earth to represent Him. I'm going to say that again. We are co-enthroned through Him, but we continue to exist on earth to represent Him to the world. Image bearers. For kingdom's sake, goes on. Paul goes on and says this. But we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and we all share the same Spirit. Now I want to highlight something here. This is not a spirit into the. Uh, this is not a baptism into the Spirit, but a baptism into the body of Christ. Upon conversion, the Holy Spirit does four things with every believer. Now, I've got the four things up on the screen for you guys in a second, but what I want you to do is actually, if you have a pen and paper, to write down these verses because it backs up what I'm trying to say here and for you to refer to back there later on. And that is, so the four, the four things, um, the Holy Spirit does four things in every believer. And the first thing is, when it clicks over, is that he gives us new birth regeneration, you can find this in John 3 and Titus 3. Second thing is is that he comes to live inside us. Indwelling is the word used there. We find that in, in Romans 8. The third thing is he places us into the body as a member of Christ's body on the earth, as I've already said before. We find that in 1 Corinthians 12, what we've already been reading. And the last thing that the Spirit does is that he seals us as a possession of Christ. Now, a lot of people have misconceptions of that word possession and a lot of people will sit there and go, I'm not a possession of anyone's. But God paid the price for our life with the blood of his Son. I want to be a possession of Christ. And we find this in Ephesians 1. It says here that that, that we are possession of Christ until the redemption of our human bodies. Paul goes on and he writes this. He goes, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If a foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make any less a part of the body. If an ear says, I am not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Paul's highlighting here is that the gifts are unique and they have a certain purpose within the body of Christ, just like these parts of the body have a certain purpose in our everyday, in our makeup, in the way that we live, in the way that we, we interact, in the way that we uh, take in things, that we're receptive to things, that we actually we, we output things, we input things, we output things. Yeah. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? Paul continues to go on. He goes, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. Now I want to stop there just for a minute, just for a second, just for a split second, and I I want you to concentrate individually on that. God has put each part just where he wants it. When he's made up the human body, he put each part just where he wants it. When he made up the body of Christ, he's put each part just where he wants it. Ever thought of it that way? There is no mistake in where you are. And as I look out to the people that are here in the church, I see nurses, I see electricians, I see people that are retired, I see people that have just started the workforce, I see people of different generations in different life stages, but God has purposed you for a reason here in 2020 as well as he has for the years to come and the years that have gone by. That sent mentality. He has put each of us just where he wants us. Every believer should be content in the place within the body of God that has, that has placed, where he has placed you. Be content with that to accentuate the gifts that he's actually given you. He hasn't given you the gifts for you to sit there and go, yeah, I'll use them to benefit me or I'll use them when I want to or I'll use them when it conveniences me. He's actually giving you the gifts to actually help the body out. Or in a lot of people that are my age, you help a brother out. Yep. God And God is pleased when we serve him with joy in every activity or ministry that we engage for the sake of the body. If we do it disgruntled, that's not serving him. If we do it just because we're obliged or obligated or because we've been asked, that's not serving him. Paul goes on and writes this. this, Again, this is a letter to the church of Corinth. He goes on and writes this. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. There's a few things that you could do a sermon around completely in just in that little section there. One of the things that I do want to highlight is that sometimes when we serve the body of Christ, it may be something medial or maybe something really, really small and we think that that's not actually serving God. It's just because it's the structure of church. I want to say that that is the lie that the devil wants you to actually believe. main reason why is because even the smallest thing that may go unnoticed, a push of a button, an open of a door, a serving of something, a hello, a welcome, is all serving into God's great work an act of love, an act of kindness, a show of generosity, physically giving our tithes and offerings. These are all things that build up the body of Christ, that move in those acts of service. The most helpful gifts are those that are beneficial to the body of Christ. Earlier in this letter, Paul makes it clear, and I didn't go into this, but he does make it clear if you want to go back into it. He makes it clear that one gift is not superior to another, but he urges the believers to discover how they can serve Christ's body with the gifts that God has given them. I believe that Paul is not just urging the church of Corinth. I believe that he's urging the church of Penetra, church of Christ I believe that he's urging all churches within the world, within the generations, that if we want to step into where God is taking us, we need to actually highlight, identify, and step into the gifts that he's already bestowed us. Paul finishes off this this part, this section of the letter, and he says this. And this is very pivotal for today because... This is a generation service, but I want to highlight that in this generation service that we need to come alongside people that may not understand or haven't identified their gifts as people. And he, and Paul turns around and he goes, but now let me show you a way of life that is best for all. He says all of this stuff about embracing the gifts that you've got to work as a body in one function with one unity, and then he turns around and he goes, but now let me show you this life. He doesn't just say, here's the information, go deal with it. I believe, and this just moved from my belief, is that I believe he's saying this to entice us to actually work together, to actually show each other by our acts, not just by our words of how we can uplift the body in every day. To summarise, as we're, as I'm finishing off this morning, God the Father, the Son and the Spirit delights to give spiritual gifts to his people. He delights in that because we are his bride, the bride of Christ. These gifts are imparted by God to every believer upon conversion as the Holy Spirit chooses. They will confirm the word of God and expand the kingdom. Spiritual gifts can be neglected and misused, but they remain the divine power source of Christ's body here on earth. Through teaching, evangelizing, prophesying um, and demonstrating the miraculous, God uses his people, he uses us to expand his kingdom and to establish righteousness on earth through the proper use of the gifts that he has bestowed to his, to his children. Spiritual gifts do not replace the word of God, but the word of God is spread and flourishes as the fully equipped body of Christ operates in the wise use of God's enabling power through the gifts that He has given each of us. There's four steps that we can take Using. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.